What's up? Welcome to the second episode of the History Debate Podcast. My name is Dregs Wine. We got DEO, Skino, King said in the building. Thank you to our sponsor, Amoeba Music in San Francisco. And today we got the legend, the Frisco OG, Black Sea of the RBL Posse. What's up with you? What's up with you, man? Chilling, bro. How you doing today, man? Good, good. I appreciate you being here with us on this hot Frisco heat wave. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we're going to make this like a regular conversation and uh, tell some stories about the history of the Bay, the history of RBL. And I just want to dive right into it by just basically, for those who don't know, what was it like growing up in San Francisco? Um, man, it was lovely as far as uh, in my era, 80s, going into the 90s, uh, you know, uh, what I love about Frisco is, uh, you know, we had like the tourist areas to go play around in, you know what I mean? You could leave the hood, go to Pier 39, Presidio, you know, slide up to the Cow Palace, you know, even though we was doing a bunch of, you know, crazy stuff, stealing and, yeah. and, and what have you, you know what I mean? But uh, it was a lot, it was, it was, the city was universal, you know, I like the university, the diversity in the city, that how it was, you know, with the Samoans and, you know, staying up there in the projects with us, you know what I mean? And Having you know, being able to go around by Mission Street and and, and mm-hmm. play around down there, you know, I have folks that stayed in Army Street, so I used to always be around in the Mission area. So uh, just the diversity, just just you know, just just having different cultures growing up around, man, just just made us, you know, to I mean, more universal. And um, you know, and just being in the, me being in the projects too, having that that village, you know what I mean, to raise you was 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 pretty cool. Right. You know, your mom ain't home. You got Mama Rose down the street and Mama Gail, you know, somebody who's going to get on you if you ain't doing what you're supposed to do. Right. So, you know, um, yeah, it was it was real lovely, man, growing up in the city, man, 80s, 90s, you know. And, uh, you know, until the, to the, you know, the gangbanging kicked in, you know. Yeah. Where did you go to high school? I went to high school at McAteer. Mac. And, uh, okay. Yeah, got kicked out of there. Uh-huh. And uh went to, for Mac, I think I went to... Postal Street Academy, and I got kicked out of that and went to fucking rap. Mm-hmm. Then I went to Sunshine, and man, I went to, then I went to Log Cabin Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah, that was my, that was the final high school until I got out, then I had to go to, uh, I went to um, East County Community College. I think that's where I tried to, I tried to finish and get my GED and stuff over there, but uh, that didn't work either. Right, know? right, right. And, um, were you already like rapping at that point? Nah, I started rapping uh, after I got out um, out of Law Cabin and uh, got to the trans house, transition home. Um, it was pretty much, I was up there, uh, you know, we was bumping Coop, now we was up there in the ranch, all of us off rolling scans, all that stuff, you know, and my boy Noel NT from Lakeview. Uh, my boy Kilo and them, we we all up there bumping uh, Coognut, you know, rest in peace of Coognut. He was yeah. a big influence. So that's when I kind of, you know, kind of started messing around. You know, just I didn't mess around with it, but I, I was kind of liking the rhyme, you know, him putting the rhymes together and him representing Frisco. So when I got out, I ended up running into uh, Budweiser, ended up getting to me and, uh, you know, trying to get with me to go get some equipment and stuff. And that was my introduction pretty much into actually doing music. But at, at this point, was was RBL already like a group of friends? Nah. Nah. Nah, it was basically just uh, my brother, uh, Dre, Dre Hype, 
T-Lo, who Herm Lewis put out later on, and Budweiser. Them was the only three. And uh, Double B. And they was just basically just in the studio rapping. We didn't have no crew name. We didn't. We just was in there. And um, but pretty much just T-Lo and them. And I was just tripping at the time. None of them, nobody was writing except Budweiser. Everybody just freestyling. I'll turn on the beat. They're getting there and they're freestyle five, ten minutes on my full track. And that was pretty much it. We just started putting out tapes and then freestyling. And uh, later on, I'll say probably a couple months in, I started playing with it myself. But uh, RBL didn't come to like maybe a year later, mm -hmm. you know, because we started around 90. I got a log cabin in 90, so the end of 90, I started playing around 91. That's when I kind of started taking it a little bit serious and started kind of writing. Because I was, me and Budweiser was the only one writing, and then I started taking it a little more serious and started writing and started making the raps make sense. Because they used to be all over the place when they was rapping. They used to be talking about any and everything, you know. Yeah, I just started making a, I made a song called What About My Niggas when I was just naming everybody on the turf. And, you know, I kind of took Coog, I mean, not Coog, not uh, Two Shorts, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a little advice when you name people, they're going to bump it, you yeah. know, so I named the whole neighborhood. And sure enough, when I put it on the cassette and put it out there, everybody was bumping it in their cars. It was loving that their name was being said. So I did it again and made a song called Rolling Through the Turfs of HP. And I named everybody from different sets. And, uh, yeah, they all started bumping it, worked again for me. And then uh, I ended up... Uh, you no, know, Budweiser ended up running in the TC. He was trying to go record his music for real because we was kind of playing around. So he found out where Coognut was recording at. You know, they was over there and um, off of Ocean. I forgot the that name. Sucker Free Studios. Sucker Free Studios. That was on, that was on Holloway, right? Right, yeah. right. So we went over there. Budweiser uh, had scheduled a, a couple sessions with TC. I think that's when he put out Darling, Darling Baby, all that stuff. And then uh, when I was ready to record, TC was saying that he was finna move to Hunter's Point. So uh -huh. he moved to Hunter's Point. I was ready to go down there and record for real, and I ended up trying to get with T-Lo. And uh, T-Lo didn't want to, you know, he was kind of hot at the time. You know, he was like our ice cube in the neighborhood. So I was trying to record with him, and he was just like, he wasn't having it. He kind of curved me, and I uh, was just like, yeah, you know, I got this dude named, you know, Mr. C, man, you know, his, I did with his sister. He, I saw he wanted to do his rap, so... That's what got Mr. C up there. And from there, you know, we became RBL. But right. uh, yeah, I was trying to, I was, I was supposed to go do a solo album. You know, I was just kind of going, trying to just get a person to come with me and trying to kind of be on the raps. Because I didn't really want to write all them raps by myself. Because everybody at the time, it was like, you know, an album is 10 songs. That's why if you notice on our RBL album, we got like 10 songs with a, and it's really 11 songs with an intro and outro. So we only mm -hmm. really got about nine songs on that album. But uh yeah, I was trying to get some help because I couldn't do all that right, you know, at the yeah, time. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I was trying to bring T-Lo in. But, you know, T, uh, he ended up bringing Mr. C. And uh, from there, we went down there. And we didn't even have a name when we went down there and started recording. Even then, we wasn't even roof. We was, we was going with the hit squad. And then we figured out that uh, EPMD and them had the hit squad. You know what I mean? So we had to kill that. And uh, T-Lo ended up giving us the name. He was like, bro, y'all ruthless by law. And it just stuck with me. You know what I mean? I was just like, oh, that's dope. So, and I ended up shortening it to RBL Posse. I felt like the name was too long. It was too big. Yeah. You know? So I ended up doing the NWA thing, shortening it, and just yeah, used yeah. The, the letters. Yeah, so. And that's how that came about. That's tight. So you, you mentioned Cougnut, Budweiser, T-Lo, Too Short, 
I know Huey MC was probably out at that time. Yeah, T. Oh yeah, yeah. of course Huey MC. Yeah, we he was out at that time. Of course, four one five, Richie Richie, and them, D Loke yeah. and them. They was a heavy, heavy influence on us. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So seeing seeing some of these early early cats that was pushing tapes, uh, that did that help you see like oh I could because it sounded like you were real serious from the gate mm-hmm. about getting in the studio and and, and getting your tapes out there. Did, did seeing those cats do their thing inspire you to, to be like, oh, okay, I can really make a career out of this? Yeah, yeah. Who let me know I could actually make a career out of it was really was Budweiser and and um and uh Kugnut. Mm. You know, them being from the city, me being able to see them and touch them and see that they got cassettes out. I said, okay, I can learn. I actually can follow them. I got somebody who done did it who I can go figure out, you know, the formula. Mm-hmm. But um as far as um musical influences and when I started really getting into like okay let me kind of orchestrate the tape and put it together and you know I know you gotta have eye candy where I start bringing in my other homies from the uh, block to put them behind us and dress in black and all that kind of came from me just kind of you know watching NWA and mm-hmm. you know looking at uh, 415 and them you know what I mean how they was doing things so you know I was getting influenced by different ways but I also I definitely uh got bit by the bug and, and knew it was easy to do well not easy but it could be done once I uh, met TC you know once they I got over there I seen TC knew how to chop up samples yeah to help me put the, the all the stuff that I had in my head together you know what I mean so um cuz I had a lot going on and I was only working with a little SB12 so that only had a probably like, like 3 seconds of yeah, sampling time right exactly I had to speed it up you know, speed up the record, sample it, and then slow it down. Then I only had like a little four track, you know, a little Tascam four track. Yeah. And I ended up upgrading later on to this little Yamaha. Forgot what it's called, Yamaha NS10 or something like that. And um, yeah, I had a, a eight track. So we got, we ended up getting a couple tracks. So we used to be overdubbing a lot, you know. But um, yeah, once I got the TCs, I went crazy with it though. It, it just got serious, and um, yeah, I just got bit by the bug. I kind of stopped hustling. Was in the studio night and day. That's know? dope. Yeah, it paid off. That's dope. See, I, to me, like, cause cats don't know that that SP. That's that's real. You gotta have skills. Yeah, to work that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I, 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 I gotta get TC in here one day, cause I look at him like I would look at like a Pete Rock or like a DJ Man, Premier, like for real talented musical Man, skills. He dope. He dope, man. He don't get enough credit, man. That was like my our Dr. Dre. I was looking yeah. at myself more like the Daz. Yeah, and T get to my tracks, and he knew how to chop them up right. Right, because I didn't realize how hard it was. I just be like, you know what? I want to use that Ohio players. I want to use that third bass stepping to the AM. I want to use a drum line, but then I want to throw salt and pepper on it. Right, right, and, I right. throw, and I didn't realize that that they wasn't the same tempos right. and all that. So T knew how to do all that time stretching and to switch like back then. Like yeah. now, it's kind of easy to do the stuff. You can look out. You, you can figure that out on YouTube. Man. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But back then, T didn't have nothing with that Atari computer, the Emacs. And um, I think that was it. You know, he was working with that Emacs. He was so dope with it, man. And uh. Yeah, T put it together, man. That's that's my guy, man, to this day. You know, I, I respect his craft, man. He, yeah. You know, I, I produced a lot of the beats, but it wouldn't have happened without him. Was he already working with Totally Insane at that yeah. point? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. They album was, uh, we got over there, Totally Insane was probably about 60% done with the album. So y'all was all feeding off each other, it sounds like. Well, well, we fed off of them. They we was already done. Okay. Yeah, they was okay. pretty much done. Them, uh, Black Dynasty. Mm-hmm. Um, cool nutting them, 
Fly More, a lot of them was already pretty much done. They had albums, either singles out or they had uh, albums that was out and they was on like their second round. You know, it was pretty much like that. So we came in and was able to listen to what they already had TC was playing because he liked it, the stuff I was bringing. T was like, oh, shit, man, you got some shit. Yeah. You know, so he was liking a lot of the samples and stuff I was bringing in there to do the songs. So after about three, four songs, he started letting me hear stuff that he had with Totally Insane. And um, he really started trying to get behind my production and was just like, bro, yo, yo shit dope and I want to add something to it. And he ended up blessing me with that G's by the one, two, threes. Mm-hmm. You That's know? that, um, that Yeah, it was actually Coognut on that song. It was Coognut and Fly Mar on That's that. That's the Steve, Steve Miller band, right? Steve Miller yeah. band, yeah. Yeah, that was actually uh, with Totally Insane and uh, uh, Coognut and Fly Mar. And he took Coognut and Fly Mar off and gave it to us. You know, mm. man. And that, that put the stamp at the that put the period at the end. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Mr. C, and we'll, we'll talk. We'll definitely talk about his story. But who, like, there's more people in RBL Posse than just the rappers. Am I correct? Um, no, in terms of really. it being a click. Oh, a click. Yeah, the RBL Posse. Uh, and when it first started off, was uh, as far as it was just like my all my dudes from my crew who I grew up with. You know, like Booby. It was Kurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as on the cover, it was Lil Mo, Booby, and Curtis. But it was people missing, like Larry June, like the, the rapper Larry June dad, mm-hmm. my boy D Folks, and my boy JJ, who was gone. You know, mm-hmm. D Folks was in YA at the time. JJ was fighting the case. So a lot of them kind of like missed out on being on the cover and stuff like that. Also, my boy Lil Lou. Yeah, that's kind of crucial. That's yeah. a crucial photo shoot to miss right there. Yeah, it was. So we had been mobbed out on it because we was looking at like I was looking at Ghetto Boys covers and yeah, you know when they was you know whole crew on there. I was looking at NWA, so I yeah. was feeling like you know us by us having posse on the end, we can't just have me and Mr. C, even though we right. was the only rappers right, when we first right, came right. out. A lot of people thought it was different rappers on there rapping, but. It was just me and Mr. C the whole time. We used to go to shows. They used to be like, well, what did he do? Is he the DJ? Is he the one scratching? And they was, was like, nah, we just was on a picture. Yeah. You know but that's I mean? why I asked because that is kind of, that's like a hip-hop thing, like the crew. Right, exactly. It's bigger than rap. Like, we a crew. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? We, exactly. we an actual posse. And I do see the NWA influence, like, it, now that you mention it, like, it reminds mm-hmm. me that I think it was N.W.A. and the Posse, right? Mm-hmm. Where exactly. they had like Arabian Prince and oh, Ice Cube all Jerry yeah, curled exactly. out. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that was a dope. whole big crew on there. Yes, sir. So at the, while this was going on, uh, the Turf Wars situation in Frisco was happening as well, correct? Correct. correct. So, so this is something I wanted to talk to you about from like a Frisco perspective because when I talked to OGs, one event that really seemed like it changed the city was the death of Peter Lee. Right, right. Is that is that a moment in time that you recall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Death of Peter Lee and the death of Chief Charlie. Chief and Charlie, and, yeah. Yeah, and Ray Sean, yeah, that. Yeah, them was, yeah, them, them right there. Yeah, it was ugly. It got ugly around that time, you know, and I was knee-deep in it. Me, these folks, you know, my boy Jay. My boy Jay, who actually out right now, actually got framed for the murder of Cooley from, uh, Sunnydale, mm. so he uh, they got life, and they end up you know overturning later on, and had to pay him because uh, Sanders and Hendricks and then was doing a lot of dirty work back then, you know, framing dudes, couldn't solve cases, so they just putting it on dudes, and I would have been gone too, you know, when I thank God at the time I was in juvenile because they were saying 
that me and JJ did it. They were saying that my brown van was there with his uh, yellow Skylark. Mm. But once they end up checking on the day he died, I was in uh, juvenile at the time, you know what I mean? So I was sitting up in B4, so that's the only thing that saved me. But I would have been sitting down with him and my boy Soda Pop, too. But yeah, Peter Lee was a, was a uh, yeah, that was a, that was a big one. You know yeah, what I mean? see, the reason I bring that up is because it seems like that moment kind of changed from when you will have little rivalries, you might have little fights and stuff here and there, but... That situation of, of them cats being killed and the mm -hmm. other stuff you talk about, dirty cops and all these different things, it mm -hmm. seemed like things really got serious to the point where you, some of these beefs are still going on today. Yeah, it was, uh, like you said, it wasn't really nobody dying. At first it was just, like you said, we'd be going to Castle Lane, you got fights, dudes pulling out bumper jacks, bats, whatever, you yeah. know what I mean? But nobody was ever pulling out, you know, even you might pull out a pistol, but nobody was using it. Yeah, yeah. Just having to pull it out, might shoot in the air, do something like that. But yeah, once uh, Peter Lee and him got killed, it just like, yeah, it, was, it just started being dead. You start, people really, it started being real drive-bys, you know Yeah. I mean? Start being real deaths. People really start trying to guess when, you know, I got shot in the eye, mm -hmm. lost my eye to, you know, drive-by from Sunnydale do stuff like that. So, yeah, it got crazy. Crazy. Mm-hmm. But what really kind of inspires me about your story, from what I understand, is that not only was music a way to get out of that, it seemed like y'all used music as an opportunity to squash some of the beefs mm -hmm. that were going on at the time. Yeah, we actually uh, squashed the, the the biggest beef, which was uh, with us and Fillmore. And uh, Sunnydale kind of got involved later on after we squashed ours. But uh, yeah, that was pretty much me once my album came out. You know, I talked to my boy Lonnie Green. He was... Uh, he was part of Demons of the Minds, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the uh, Strutton crew. He was Fote dancing, the hype man or whatever you want to call it. He stayed on Harbor Road, and um, he kind of brought it to my attention. He's like, Black Bud, you know, you ought, to, you ought to probably reach out. This album is so dope, man. I just think that you need to have Sunnydale and feel more involved, bro, and get behind it. Because even at that time, too, when he first heard the demo, I had the song Don't Give Me No Bammer Weed was called Don't Give Me No Bammer Joint. We don't smoke that shit in Hunters Point. And I wasn't even thinking about the city. And when he kind of brought that to my attention, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to switch it up because I knew it was our biggest song. As soon as I made it, I was I knew it was a hit. Mm -hmm. I was just like, man, I got to switch this up. And I was like, man, I'm going to go on and do that and switch it up, trying to get the city involved, make it a city anthem. And thank God I did because once the, the album came out, mm -hmm. that song was like the, the lead off and it, it just brought it. You've seen everybody playing it. And at the time, you know, I just told uh, Lonnie, he was like, you know, man, I got a few people over there I could reach out to, you know, Pigskins, Creature Man and them. And, uh, you know, man, we can, you know, try to squash it, man. You know, I'll let them know that you want to talk to, him, to you if it's cool. And I was just like, you know, at first I was feeling some type of way about it, you know, because I was still young-minded, was, you know, still wanting to funk with him. But then I was just like, you know what, man, this, we got to make this happen. I was like, going to reach out to him. And uh, he got him on the phone. We talked. And I was just like, yeah, man, y'all come over to Harvard. It's, it's good. And he was like, yeah, bro, we're going to put this trust in you, man. We, I was like, man, it's good. You ain't got to worry about nothing. So I reached out to my boy, Nard Temple, and mm -hmm. a few factors over there who I knew, who I really had to touch bases with because I knew I just couldn't call that shot just on my own. I was just like, let me, I had a dude from Oakdale. 
Let me holler at somebody from West Point who I respect and pretty much on the same level as me from where I'm from, you know, because I was with the dude on Harvard. Mm-hmm. So on the 8th, like, man, you got my blessing. This is whatever you want to do. And then once they came through, it was good. You know, we, we shook hands. You've seen a lot of dudes kind of didn't know what was up when they first pulled up. Dudes coming from West Point, Oakdale, pulling up up there, and their car's like, what's going on? Like, you know, they thinking it was funk or something. But we letting them know, like, bro, we squashing it. Whoever got problems with anybody from Filmo, you know what I mean? Y'all can go one-on-one or whatever right now. We, y'all can scrap it out. And nobody wanted to scrap it out. Everybody, it was good. And, and pretty much it's been a been a truce ever since then. You know what I mean? It was trust. Everybody trusted each other. And pretty much, uh, yeah, yeah, it ended that day, that day. And they came up there deep, too. Filmo really put their trust in. I could have really set them up. Yeah. Yeah, they came up there about like eight cars, you know, deep. And uh, yep, came up to Harbor Road, and, and we squashed it right there, shaking hands, hugging, and it was all good. We was doing the show at the Stone down there on Broadway, and everybody showed up. You know, us, I believe it was uh, yeah, GLP and them. Um, there was a few other rap. Fote was there at the show, totally insane. And uh, that set it off right there. That's big. We That was the first time we all was in the same room. And that's kind of like when Sunnydale came in. They showed up, and it was all love. LC, all them dudes, man, AKL Cheddar now. Mm-hmm. But all them dudes showed up, and it was all good. It was all love, and not one problem. Nobody got snaked and nothing, none of that after that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. dope, man. I mean, that just lets, that says a lot about what our music is, what it represents out mm-hmm. here. It's a lot bigger than rap. A lot of the names you just named are, are legendary people who are not just rappers, people who are legendary for other reasons. Exactly. And um, I think that's definitely something that, that separates your era of when y'all were coming up mm-hmm. to today. Real talk. Um, and then the, also that song, the SFC, did that come out of that as well? With, yeah, that came out of that too. Cause, uh, yeah, later on, because... Uh, Right after that, you know, I got tight with JT and them. A lot of people don't know that I'm the I'm the one that helped JT actually press his first album. You know, he came up there. You know, he was with him when they came up there too. He came up there right. with Pig Skins, everybody. He was part of the whole entourage. JT came up there. We got real tight. We chopped it up. You know, music brought us together. And he kind of asked me, bro, where y'all did y'all artwork at? Who did y'all cover? And I took mm. him out there to Music Annex. He came, picked me up in his bucket. Me and JT rolled off, and I took him out to. Uh, Fremont, I believe it was, and uh, they had music annex just to press all the cassettes. And you know, I could have hated or did anything. Yeah. Like I don't know where they do it at, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But you know, JT loved me to this day for that because you know that set it off. He was like, "Bro, if you would have never showed me that, man, I wouldn't know where to go get cassettes done at. It would probably, you know, I probably would have found out eventually later on. But that album when it came out in '93, yeah. you know, and now I mean? was but, that the the Danker Dope tape? Yeah, yeah." yeah. Yep. His first album, yeah. yeah. So I showed him, took him out there, showed him how they do the artwork and all that, and yep, he pressed it up. And from then on, man, we've been, you know, that's been my brother from another since then. That's my dog. And so you had you had um, uh, Bammerweed as a single on your own tapes. Yeah, well, I had a, yeah. As far as before it came out, before it came out, yeah, okay. it was uh, just just pressed up off my my dual cassette. That's it. You was out, out, the, out the trunk out with the, it. Yeah, out yeah. the trunk. Yeah, we was out the trunk. They was coming to get them, but I was running through them little TDKs and the Maxwells. Yeah, man, we was running through twenty packs of them. You See, know? that's our tradition right there. I feel like it all comes from too short. Oh yeah, for so most definitely. You really get money, and, mm-hmm. and we got Do in the building. He was getting money selling CDs on Market Street. 
Yeah. I definitely done that hustle too, but that's, to that's, that. that's tradition right there. Yeah, that's tradition, man. Doing them, doing cassettes. That definitely came from Too Short because yeah. he pulled up on Harvard. I was, I was there when he pulled up in his light blue Mustang, jumped out. My boy Fat Boo Boo and them used to deal with him, had him come up there, and man, he jumped out slinging them cassettes, and we buying them. And I was a little youngster, seen all that. And when that's the first thing I thought about when we got the studio. Mm. You make sure I get a dual cassette deck, press these things up, go outside, three to five dollars a tape. Mm-hmm. And then we was getting it. Mm-hmm. We was getting it too. Them things was I couldn't even press fast enough. They was they was people was wanting them, coming from everywhere. Yeah. Them tapes. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. But so um not long after that, you signed to in a minute. Yeah, we signed to in a minute probably um I think we was maybe independent, probably maybe a couple weeks, man. A couple because, weeks. Yeah, okay. and you know that wasn't even the plan to sign to in a minute. Um, I pressed up a thousand cassettes. I sold a couple out to stores. I took a couple hundred over there to him. Mm. But my plan was to just go leave them on consignment in the stores and then just kind of go back and just get the money. I did want a deal because I knew Totally Insane and was over there, so. But I knew we didn't build up enough notoriety to go over there and just work on what we wanted to do, so work with, you know, the numbers right. So I was just like, you know, I'm going to see what's up first and try to, because TC was like, you know, we over there working out our deal now, you know, just kind of do what you got to do until then, until we get the deal locked in and I keep you posted and whatnot. So once they locked in a deal, I think, um, yeah, they, they was already locked in and he was just like, man, just get your name up or whatnot. So I went out and left a few tapes on consignment. They sold out. They kept calling back for more. You know, I went to Ocean, the record shop on 3rd. I went to go see uh, Joe at Creative rest Music. Rest in peace, Joe. Yeah, yes. rest in peace, Joe. And I went over there. I forgot the store that was on Mission Street. I went and left a bunch. They sold a lot. They they probably sold more than anybody over there on Mission. Mm. And, um, yeah, I ended up going back. Budweiser showed me that store. And, um, yeah, from there... We uh, went out to Oakland. There was a couple stores we left some. It was kind of slow for a minute, but then it kind of just slowly just started picking up. And uh, for surely, um, yeah, Jason, um, uh, once we took them couple hundred, he called me back out there like, look, I'm ready to buy 5,000 of them, you know, and um, just let me know what y'all want to do. And uh, the money that I made off the 1,000, I pressed up 5,000 came back like we got that 5000 and he was just like look what if i do this what if i pay you for those and i give you another 10000 to sign and that shit just sounded so sweet at the right, time right. i was, just like, I was okay. big at the time huh? yeah i'm thinking like okay yeah i can go get me a brick and put this and right, do this right, and all right. that's all i'm thinking about is going to go get dope off that i didn't, <laughs> I didn't even care i'm like yeah i could make more music i ain't even worried about it so yeah we ended up doing a deal with jason uh for that little old measly little 35000 which 25 was just him paying for our tapes. Right. And the 10 is what we really signed for right, at the right, time. Right. So, yeah, and the rest was history. Wow. And uh, in a minute, they had a deep roster. Man, in a minute could have been big. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I was going to add. Because like, they had Hugh EMC, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, IMP, mm-hmm. Stray Dog, mm-hmm. Totally Insane, mm-hmm. Master P. No, they didn't have Master P. They, they were just doing P. distro for me. Oh, okay, okay. Is there mm-hmm. anyone I'm missing on that? Um, MC Pooh later on mm. they got MC Pooh. Uh, they was dabbling with a lot of people like delinquents in them. They had uh action. They had Master uh Just Ice. They had him in his catalog. Damn. They had the Two Short Old catalog over there. So they had like little revenue streams coming in to where if Jason would have been paying people. It would have attracted 
he could have signed the 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 uh, delinquents and other artists who was coming around later on. Right. But they start hearing that he wasn't paying nobody, so that kind of hurt him when he, you know. Like, our album put the pressure on them because they started getting the money in and they didn't want to hire the staff to, to handle the, the traffic that was coming in. And they start, they'll focus on us and not focus on IMP. Or if Dog started taking off and they focusing on him and they ain't worried about it. It was like they was, had the favoritism going on. And they really could have been something big if, if Jason would have. I, I wish Elliot would have ran it. By him handing it over to Jason, you know, Jason on coke, he, you know, he doped out and just started, you know, his mind wasn't, wasn't right, man. And he started using things not to pay us, you know, like we had all them samples we had to clear. Mm. And he was using that as a reason to not give us our, our royalties. So, you know, and that, that kind of hurted us. And that ended up, that's why I kind of blame him even for the death of Mr. C. He would have never been out there hustling. Mm. If he had just gave us a nice check, he knew he owed us. Over a hundred and some thousand dollars, but it's like you want to bird feed us. Like, well, I'll give y'all seven thousand right now, and y'all can come back up. I got to clear all the samples. I don't know how much they're gonna cost. It's like, bro, you've been in this game for the for the, for the for years, man. You know how much it's gonna cost to clear these samples. You know that we got way more than enough that you're trying to put inside this trust fund that that's gonna clear them samples. He never really even cleared the samples. He was just using that just to hold the money. Right. You know, we we went into the second album. To try to get that going, he still owed us back royalties on that first album, like over two hundred thousand. And you know, we just was like, you know what, let's just go on and start on this next album, yeah, and get it going. And you know, just at least to create something that don't got samples, so we can start getting paid. And um, yeah, man, he just he didn't pay us on that album either. You know, <laughs> it was just like. So I, I was actually going to ask about that because I noticed that, like, your first album is all samples, right? Mm-hmm. Totally Insane first album is all samples. Mm-hmm. By the second album, it's all keyboard beats. Yeah. And that was to avoid clearing issues? Yeah, clearing issues. Man. And plus, we just wanted to go back to our original stuff because I had a bunch of stuff that was original. I just went... I took the seat, the uh, samples down to TC because he had that Emacs and he had a bunch of sample time, but I actually had a bunch of original beats a lot of our songs that we was putting out hp is my home uh all of like the rolling through the turfs of hps a lot of that stuff was all original beats it just that i when i went down there to take that bammer weed for some reason i had bammer weed and a lesson to be learned was the only original two songs that came from actually my solo album that was where oh more like an orgy too that's why them is like Solo songs. If you yeah, notice on the yeah, album, yeah. I got more solo songs on there than Mr. C because it was going to be my album. But then I started making songs like Remind Me and try to get him, you know, to kind of be the lead on the songs and stuff just to try to kind of create some balance. And I ended up adding him on to the back of a lesson to be learned just to put him on that. But mm. then with songs I already had done. So... We had a lot of original stuff, so we just went back to, to just doing original beats because I had a lot of stuff I had on keyboard, a lot of uh, original songs, and plus I linked up with Selsky by then. We got real tight, yeah. and he had a bunch of beats that I liked, and so we was like, you know what, let's just go on and keep it original, and if it is samples, we're going to play them over, you know what I mean? And Selsky produced Bounce to This, Yeah, right? mm-hmm. It's a hard-ass beat, man. Yeah, he produced Bounce to This. Um, damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Mm. And he he brought the sample down to I ain't gonna really give him the producer credit, but he did bring the sample because he wasn't in the studio and Hanser really get the credit for it. But I still kind of put him on there as a producer on the sound and um, 
It's Your Life. Mm. He he brought that one down there, the Crusaders sample. So, but he didn't stay down there and play it over. TC and Enhancer pretty much re-flipped it and put it all together. That's sick. Mm-hmm. But Baselski did was a big part of that album. He would have had like four or five beats if he would have stayed in the studio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So y'all, I mean, that, y'all feeding off each other like production wise too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now me and Selsky used to, man, I used to go crazy for some of his beats. He'd hear me come in there like, oh, mortuary number, all that stuff. He was like, bro, you gotta let me own that. Like we was, we was feeding off each other. You know, our yeah. production was similar. You know what I mean? We he'd hear some of the bass lines I got, be like, oh, black. Like I hear something he made, be like, oh, bro. Like we, we, me and him vibed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Plus we Virgos. We man, we. Was vibing. That was my guy back then. Cause I, I I feel like y'all don't really get your credit as as rappers and producers. Cause, yeah. Cause both y'all like got a um like heartbeats, bro. Right, right, it's, right. Uh, like a very unique. Like there's a Bay Area sound for sure, but mm-hmm. there's a Frisco sound for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I kind of got away from it at the Noh album. I I did Hitman album. Yeah. And then um I did you know I did a few songs for people here and there. You know like Juice and a few other people that came through. Um. You know, at the NOH, when Mr. C died, I just kind of, it's just like, I just kind of lost the love for actually creating yeah, beats. It just kind of wasn't yeah. there no more. A lot of people would come, bro, I want you to make some music, make me something like your old stuff. And I just was like, I, you know, I just wasn't there no more. Yeah, you know, yeah. and then I started meeting a lot of up and coming producers, you know, my cousin Hermanator, mm-hmm. Rome Slapadelic, uh, I ended up meeting my boy Sea Dog. I had a, like a fucking producing camp up there at my house. It was like about seven producers, Nick Nas. Oh man, my boy Ace and them. It was like them dudes, P Platinum. Like it was a few, a lot of dudes who know how to play and it was good because I was one of them dudes get on there with one hand and you know three four note keys and you know I mean that's what's like dope that. about it though it sounds yeah. like you just yeah. banging around on the keyboard and that's exactly what it was yeah. I used to go to the enhancer and he used to be trying to correct man that's <laughs> off the, the key is off and <laughs> right. I'm a night leave it alone yeah, bro. Yeah, leave my yeah. shit dirty yeah. grimy gritty yeah. I don't care leave it alone you know and certain things I, I might want to be played, I'd be like, you know, that Moog line I got in there and have to play it a little bit different, you know, give me instead of me this eight bar loop, yeah. once you play it out 16 for me, you know what I mean? And that's what I he'd do. So, but uh, now I liked it, my stuff off. I didn't care about the chords. I didn't care about none of that. It, I go off a of sound, how it sounded to me, yeah. you know? And uh, it worked. It worked, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It worked, man, especially on Hitman album, man. Everybody, that album just was like, pfft. Yeah, that's it a mobber. That's, yeah. that's got some mobbing-ass production on that one. Yeah, yeah, it did it. It did <laughs> uh, for me. I want to switch topics real quick and mm-hmm. ask you about, um, you was on the gold album, West Coast Bad Boys. I right. believe it went gold. Did it go gold on my trip? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah but I got, the, I got an album, a uh, plaque for it. The, well, the West Coast Bad Boys 2 got a plaque. Okay. The first one don't. It, first it should. One. I don't the first know one sold like 100000 or something big like that, right? Exactly. I think it sold more than that. Right. Uh, I don't know. That one kind of like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that one is the one that trying to make a dollar out of 15 cent is on. Yeah. What was, it, what was your relationship like with Master P? Oh, we was tight. I mean, Mr. P was cool. We was real cool, you know, because he was over there. Like I said, he wanted to, was one of the ones Jason could have signed if he was paying people. Mm-hmm. He was over there, too. And uh, now we was real tight. He respected us a lot because, you know, everybody was bumping our music. So he respected us, one of us. He was trying to get a song out of us, but Mr. C was one of them, like, rapper, rapper dudes. Like, he was into that real hip-hop, like, backpack rap type style st- stuff. Like, he didn't care about the dudes who didn't rap. He... 
He yeah. did not want to be a part of Master P album at the time. He was just like, bro, I don't, I don't want to be a part of that, man. I just don't like the way he rap. And I'm just like, bro, it's a compilation. We're doing our own song. He, I don't just want to even be a part of it. <laughs> and so we, I, you know, I was like, forget it. That's my boy. You don't want to be a part of it. So I, we start trying to ditch him. And one day we went in there to work on our album, and uh, Master P was in there. He was in there in Enhancer Studio. We walk in, he going like, man, I was looking for y'all. I've been looking for y'all. I've been calling y'all manager and what's going on. And he like, man, I got this song. He said, it's kind of, man, we at the deadline now, man. He said, but I got this song, the sample, man. I think y'all like it. I just want to get y'all on this, man. I, man, I pay y'all nice. And I just look at Mr. C like, bro, I'm getting this money. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. me, I was more of a hustler. I didn't care if you rapped or did right. with that. I'm, you paying, I'm going to do it. But Mr. C, he... He was like about his, you know, he, he if he was lyrical, he fucking with you. Like he didn't want to mess with D shot either, you know, on on the on uh Not the, the most lyrical rapper. Yeah, ever. and he wanted to be uh, dope, but not the most <laughs> lyrical. Yeah, and then Mr. C was wasn't having it. But yeah, we ended up going in there and he had he pulled up trying to make a dollar out of fifteen cent and it was I I was I seen him get a little excited. He was kinda like, Oh, like, okay, Master P got one. Yeah. And uh, we end up doing it and knocking it out. But uh, Master P always been tight with me, man. Always. We ain't never had no fallouts. It always, even when the bag was going bad on him when he left and took everybody lyrics and stuff with him, styles <laughs> and everything, I, you know, it, it didn't bother me. Yeah, it's all good. It was all good, yeah. I mean, he had the, it sounds like he had, you saw that he had the vision of the independent music game. Even Most back definitely. Then. Most yeah. definitely. P was a hustler. He was grinding, you know, and I respected that because... I was a hustler. I didn't, you know, rappers, you know, you got some some real, real purest rappers who just like, like Mr. C, you know, who just like, man, if you ain't lyrical, if you ain't really in the hip hop, I'm not dealing with you. And then you got dudes like me who I rap, but, you know, I wasn't into all the, the metaphors and all that. I just rap my life and use my voice, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and try to get me some money up out of it, you know, so. I mean, that's what made y'all a dope combo. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the first, the first um, Ruthless by Law album did really well. Mm-hmm. You Billboard, Billboard charting album. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lesson to be learned was the follow up. No, no, a lesson to be learned was first. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, um, Ruthless by Law. Ruthless by Law was the follow up. Yeah, the follow up. Mm -hmm. um, that was the one we talked about where the production style um, switched up. Right. And then um, it seems like around that time too, like just kind of more turf drama started escalating in Hunter's Point. Mm -hmm. And um, y'all ended up getting kind of caught up in that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but meanwhile, the music is still booming. You're not getting properly compensated through the label. Right. Were y'all campaigning those records, like, outside of the Bay? Yeah, we went on tours and stuff. Uh, we actually... Um that's kind of what set Dre Dog up, I would say, you know, because we was hot at the time, and he put him on tour with us when we went all up to Seattle, Portland. In a minute, did? In a minute, yeah. yeah. I think we was probably the first groups that they actually did that with. They weren't spending no money with Totally Insane or IMP or none of them. I can't remember any of them going on any type of tour or anything. But he sent us out, and we went out, you know, we went out of uh, Arizona's to L.A.'s, um, um, yeah, Seattle, Portland, and um, Dre Dog was with us. Were, were cats, like rappers and other industry folks outside of the Bay tapping in and, and showing love to what y'all were doing? Or, yeah, or, yeah, it was love everywhere. Yeah. yeah, it was love. All Even in Detroit, we started. Then by then, too, we started getting picked up for a lot of shows. So 
he didn't really have to do nothing because we was getting booked everywhere. You know, we started getting booked out in the Midwest, so we would leave Kansas City for shows. We we stayed in Detroit. Detroit loved us. Mm. Yeah, we stayed Lansing, Flint, Pontiac. I mean, Detroit. All we was all we stayed out there more than anywhere. And then it started being like Seattle and Phoenix, you know, Arizona. Um, yeah, all through Arizona, all through um, all through Seattle. Uh, through the Washington area, basically, and uh, yeah, all through Oregon. So we, yeah, our, our markets. We we knew what our markets was, and he started feeding it. He knew he knew yeah. what our markets was, and he fed our markets, and that put us on. So everything's like pretty much going good. Mm-hmm. The, the career's going, and then uh, back home, there's drama. And I don't want to get too much into it. You've told mm-hmm. the story plenty of times, but rest in peace, Mr. C mm-hmm. ends up getting killed. Right. But I want I want people to know, like, you know, what was he like as a per? What was his personality? What like who who was he for those who don't really know him outside of the music? Mr. C was funny as hell, man. He was a and he was one of them dudes that's gonna, you know, gonna gonna cap on you all day. He you know he was hella funny. I got footage that I'm gonna start releasing. I was thinking about doing it all this month. Little little clips that I got from when we was like on tours in D- Detroit and stuff like that. Was trying to save a little, save a lot of it for the, the documentary thing. I'm planning on trying to put together. But um, his personality, man, he was real outgoing. He was a ladies' man, for one. You know, we we go out, man, doing street shows and everything, man. He, man, he he was just so. Man, the women loved him. The promoters loved him because I'm a I'm a hella anti-social until I really get used comfortable with you. You know, yeah. I don't really talk. I get yeah, in rooms. Yeah. I'm to myself. He wasn't like that. He coming in. He taking over the room. He's smiling. He joking. He gonna talk about you. You know what I mean? He gonna he gonna play the dozens or whatever you want to call it. He gonna he gonna do it all. You know, and he kept our studio lit, man. When you know, in NOH and all the youngsters fell in love with him. When I first got with them, he was in jail. He was uh he had to go sit down for a minute. He was sat down for maybe like two, three months over some tickets and other like little small little stuff. But he had to go sit down for a couple months and Bruno and uh I started working with Hitman and getting his album tied up and was working with NOH and them and I had moved my studio on Folsom. Uh it was a place called Planet X that was like a recording, like rehearsal studio where they rock bands next door and I mean everybody was in there in the little building. And um yeah, they didn't really know him at the time, but when he came, it just lit the studio up. He lit the studio up. Cause he the type gonna get in there and rap with him and everything. Like I really wasn't rapping with Hitman a lot of them. Like you know this Noh and Hitman album. I'm not. I didn't do no verses on them. Yeah. I pretty much fell back and just was in producer mode. But Mr. C gonna get on them. He gonna get on there. He gonna he in there freestyling, going bar for bar with him the whole night. Like man, he very outgoing man and man was just a, man was a, a good soul man, a real good soul. Yeah. So. Man, it's hard to think what he might have been able to accomplish. Man. What y'all might have been able to accomplish. Oh, yeah, we would have been through the roof right now. We would have been up there for surely with them outcasts and all that. It was good. We, our deal was already set up. We was set up lovely. And that was at Atlantic Big Atlantic, Beat. yeah, Big Beat Atlantic. And we was going to convert over to Atlantic for surely. Mm. And um, I just wasn't in my right mindset when I got there. Even though they still went on and did the deal with me. 
I just wasn't right. I was still, you know, suffering the loss of Mr. C, and just it's, I just wasn't feeling it. I just wasn't up to the music. I still did the deal just on some business. Sure. But the musically, I wasn't there. I didn't produce nothing really on the album. You know, you know, and he really this is the, the I I for an I, I for an I. Yeah, Craig Callaman was like, bro, I still want to sign you. I know you the man behind the music. Just do what you do. And when I got over there, I just I couldn't do nothing. There wasn't nothing. I just didn't. You didn't have, have any like like leftover verses in the cut. Or... I had a couple. A lot of that stuff I ended up putting out later on on um, bootlegs and bass shit. You know, but um, it wasn't nothing that I really wanted to use like on a new album. It was a couple. Cause was we just, used yeah. our stuff. Anytime we when we went to the studio, we used yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have songs sitting around that we didn't like. We ain't gonna record it if we didn't like it. Right, right. So we right, didn't have right, a right. bunch of verses sitting around that we uh we didn't like that. I mean only like two songs. And that was that As We Blaze and the Ruthless by Law song, which he wasn't even on. He didn't wanna get on it. Because at the time he didn't he was just like, I don't, I don't care for Tita Lee being on it and uh you know, like I said, he's one of them rapper rapper dudes. He was he didn't really He was picky, huh? He was picky, so and it was the the dude, my boy, who was on the song with us. You know, a lot of people were like, Who the hell was that on the song? I was supposed to be a Mr. C part on there, but he T Lee wanted to get on it, so he was just like, Man, I'm gonna let him do it. I'm not even finna argue, gonna let him do it with I'm like, Bro, it's J Dog and Cool Nut, you gotta be on it. And he didn't he was just like, I'm cool. So we never even used the song, you know what I mean? Because he wasn't on it, it was only me on it. So right, we right. saved that, and we saved As We Blaze, which he used some of the vocals on something. I forgot where the lyrics come from. It come from, um, he used some of the some lyrics on one of the songs on Ruthless by Law, I can't think off top. But um, yeah, we didn't have nothing just laying around. Everything, we we used everything. We, would not, we, we, we didn't, wouldn't even record if we didn't, if we didn't care for the beat or the song, so but yeah, you, you basically did what you could, and then that's when Hitman stepped up. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people thought Hitman was a part of the group, but he wasn't. He was we just, just like the young homie. He's just a young homie who was solo. Yeah, and he, you know, I never let him come in and try to take over Mr. C part or do none of that. He just played. He did what he was going to do anyway because I was trying to set him up because he was. My main focus, besides RBL, I'm like, I'm, Hitman is unique. His style, yeah, is the way, oh man, his punchlines and metaphors was crazy. So I was just like, I'm finna set him up to blow up, you know? So I was gonna use the RBL platform and the machine to set him up. So whether Mr. C was here or not, he still was gonna be on a lot of songs right, on, on right, that right, album, right, right. you know? Smart, yeah. Yeah. So after, after, um, after I4 and I, the big beat situation didn't really mm -hmm. end up working out. Right. And that's that is that when you started the right way? No, nah, the right was way the was uh, we had the right way since ninety four. Okay. okay. Yeah, so we already had so the right way. So all your way. deals were through the right way. Yeah, okay. yeah. The Hitman. Okay. Hitman okay. came out in ninety ninety five and he was the first artist out on. Oh, on so that the was way. even before the Atlantic season. Oh yeah, that was before. Oh, yeah. Okay. NOH and Hitman was before. But it was Hitman. an independent release. Exactly. And uh Hitman sold like a hundred and hundred almost a little over hundred and twenty thousand units. Yeah, yeah, he, he did his Pinnacle. thing. That was all out the trunk. That's a hard album. I think I told you once, man. I bought that album from Virgin Megastore. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I took that over there to uh, City Hall and Walter, man. You know, I was blessed to meet him, and he loved it. He paid. He was way different than than uh, Jason Blaine. Right. You know, I got over there right, with him, right. and he was straight COD. Right. He'd be man. Drop off the album. Here's the cash. Yeah, because yeah. I'd come in there and I'd be like, you know, I wanted like ten dollars, eleven dollars at the time, and he was just like. 
what kind of deal can you do for me if we buy a boat? And I was just like, he wanted to do an exclusive, but I didn't want to sign no contracts to no, you know, nothing exclusive. So what I did was, I was like, well, what you can do is buy everything I have, so I ain't got to take it nowhere else. When I press up 5000 you buy them, I give you a deal, COD. You know, we can do 5 $6. And he was like, deal, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the first five thousand I brought up there went like hotcakes. He told me to press up another five, and he started asking for tens, mm-hmm. and we just would start running through them things, man. And, but uh, you're you're still on your wiggle, like the independent. It's still on you to promote. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to promote out. and do everything, you know, which I knew how to do that. I was, you know, I knew to go where to go get the posters, flash flyers, right. hire, you know, a little promo team to who can go do the little sniping campaign. You know, I start seeing other people. Right, who was moving right. and grooving, so I started learning from them, you know, and I started learning from what Jason tried to do but really wasn't putting no money into, right. so I, I knew the game. Learning from the, his mistakes. Exactly. Yeah, because you don't just sell 100,000 units by accident. Nah, that and plus, shit. we was hot at the time. You know, the yeah, RBO yeah, yeah. name was hot, so, you know, we was doing our thing from compilations and everything, so anything we was pretty much associated with was pretty much doing good, from Herm compilations to features we was getting on, compilation songs, like, we was... We was doing our thing from like 93, I'll say from 93 after that Lesson to Be Learned took off in 92, 93 to 95, 90, 90, yeah, 95, anything we touched was was doing good, That's was doing numbers. So we, we we was blessed to have that nice little run, you know, That's that little two, three year run. Yeah, because Hitman, uh, I mean, just in Frisco, people outside of Frisco might not even really understand like mm-hmm. how respected that dude was as a rapper. Right, right. He was raw. He was, his his raw. style was totally different. It was totally unique. His delivery was different. His punchlines and metaphors. Man. Uh, he he was super dope. Dope, man. Dope. Yeah. And uh, so what what was he what was he like? What was it like dealing with him? What was his personality like? What what what's some of his story? He was kind of you know one thing about Hitman is he was one of them dudes like man. Um, I didn't know where that shit came from because when you talk to Hitman, he he's like me. He kind of reserved, mm-hmm. a little quiet, a little antisocial, like, you know, but even when he talk and do interviews, he barely talk and it's, you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? It's like he didn't know how to fucking talk. So he's like, man, what the hell wrong? But when he fucking get on the mic, man, he sound like a fucking scientist. I'm like, where the hell he get all these big words and stuff right, from? Right. You know, and I ended up asking him one day, too, like, bro, where did you be getting all this shit? Because he dropped out early. Like, he dropped out in, like, ninth grade. Mm. You know, him, man, dropped out of school early. So I'm like, man, he was fucking up in school when he was in school. He was, you know, he wasn't doing as good. I'm like, where's he getting this just stuff naturally from? smart, intelligent was, dude. Yeah, he was just yeah. naturally smart from why he was just watching a lot of TV, you oh, know. okay. And then he used to watch the preview guide a lot. Guys come in the room, we're like, dude, you like, dude, you even watch TV? I'm like, you got the preview guy just scroll. That's when I used to have a screen scrolling yeah. up. And he'd see movies like, you know, Sylvester Stallone, yeah. First Blood. So he like first blood and see, you know, Sylvester Stallone. You know, that's what I'm like, oh, that's smart. And he, you know, he'd be like, throw you in Ricky's Lake and like the Ricky Lake show coming up. Like right. that's where he got a lot of his stuff from. And I was like, yeah, oh, it's like that's anime. Slick. It's like a cartoon. Right. Kind of style. You know, down you like a chocolate yoohoo. You know, messing with the crew. Like, he had commercials. Like, that's where he got a lot of his stuff from. Just commercials, watching the preview guide. And I was just like, ah, bro, you slick with it. You slick with it. And I ain't gonna lie, I used it a couple times. I was like, man, I'm gonna use this preview guide. Yeah. He's like, yeah, because they got the people, the movies, and they got who in the movie, the name of the star, and all. And I was just like, oh, that's slick. Okay. 
and then commercials, you know. So, yeah, man. But he was he was a little bit more reserved. But he, around us, he was funny. Yeah, him man was yeah. a jokester, man, too. Him and Mr. C was the jokesters of the bunch, man. That's why it was so fun being with them on the road, just just moving and grooving around with them, man. It was like it was nothing but laughs all day, and they got they got on each other like crazy. And they bagged on each other all day, so. Yeah, man, it was real fun. Them NOH too, Motor Hustling, Mal, all yeah. of them, man. It was a nice crew, man. Nice, nice crew to be around. That's something I was gonna get to because um, it's interesting. You said NWA earlier. I was thinking like I had this compilation back in the day called the NWA Legacy, mm-hmm. and it was a collection of all these songs by NWA, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, but then it also had Bone Thugs. It had the Dog Pound. It mm. had the Lynch Mob. Uh, Warren G, all these different acts that mm-hmm. came from this one group. I feel like RBL kind of has a similar family tree. Right. When you look at um, Hitman, when you look at Noh Mafia, uh, Mr. Sandman. Yeah, Mr. Sandman wasn't really with our crew, but no, what he, he was what he on did. right way though, right? Nah, no, he, he nah. Okay. That's why we ended oh, up. We kind of okay. had a falling out, but we got, but we cool, you know, because what he did was. Did you produce for him? Yeah, I produced the whole okay. album. Okay. You know, see, he came and got the beats, and he was supposed to pay me to go and mix and do all the stuff, get in there, but he never did. They kind of came and bought the beats and kind of just burnt off, and they oh, pulled shit. them up and did them their way. So when I heard the album, I was just like, I didn't like the way they, you know, EQ'd and did some of the sounds. I was just like, man, I'm cool. I don't even, st- I ain't even can't even stand on it. What he did yeah, was he came and got this. my crew. Yeah, he got Noh and him on it. And then he took Hitman, one of his Hitman songs, made it to Sandman. And then he had the the giant stuff trying to be like Hitman album cover. Mm. And then everything was produced by me. So yeah, my name was so everybody thought that I we he was part of our crew. And then after Mr. C passed, he's went and switched his cover up and put Rest in Peace Mr. C or Mr. C on his hat and all that. So we kind of had a little bit of a falling out behind all that. But uh, we ended up getting back cool. You know, he you know, he kind of explained, like, bro, you know, let me be known that, you know, bro, I was just trying to rep Mr. C. It wasn't nothing. I wasn't trying to capitalize off of none of that. But I just felt he was because of the way he did the album, the way he made the album look. The way you took the Sandman song, you took one of Hitman's songs and called yourself the right, Sandman because right, that right, wasn't right, his name right. when he came. He wasn't Mr. Sandman, but he got it from Hitman's song. But, um, you know, all in all, it helped him blow up, you know, but he came back and, uh, you know, we made some some money together. So it was cool. It wasn't no thing. See, know? this is why I need you here to clear this stuff up. Right, for people right. people who don't know. Yeah. I mean, regardless, though, it's still like, it's still, still part, part of, of the that tree. tree right? Oh, no, he's still part okay. of that tree. He's definitely part of the tree. You know what I mean? And then you also have prime minister. Prime minister. Yeah. Military minded. Military minded. Yeah, there's some dudes. The I met original young thug. Yeah, original Young Thug, exactly. <laughs> Rest in peace, Young Thug. Rest in peace, man. Young Thug. Yeah. And then you got younger cats like AR. AR, Young Shot. And then I would even say that, or, and you would probably agree that Larry June is part of that. Yeah, he's well. he's he's from the branch. I say he's he's one of the branches off the off the tree. You know what I mean? Even though he created his own, he went out, but he he came and got help just through his pops. You know, and, and being that Harbor affiliation, us being from Harbor Road, and then me and his daddy being childhood friends, we've been friends since we was like two years old, you know what I mean? So, yeah, June is definitely part of the, you know, that RBL, uh, what I say, tree. Yeah, the family most tree. Def, yeah. Most yeah. definitely. You can hear it in his style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, Larry June's style definitely is like, it's almost like an updated 
I mean, it's original, but there's certain beats and certain yeah, yeah, styles yeah, yeah. on there. I say it's called sort of like my my first flow on like my first album is my flow from my first album mixed with Mac Dre. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I can see that. It's, and it's, his own original. Yeah, original. yeah. You had told me once that, I mean, um, because you had got him on your record when he was still calling himself Young June. Right, yeah, yeah. And back in was, like 05, uh, 70s, 70s baby? 70s baby. Yeah. And you had said that you felt like, uh, or he had told you that that sound kind of influenced some of the stuff he was doing. Right, exactly. Like the samples, old, old soul samples. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. June definitely. Uh, I'm happy he switched up though, cause he was sound like a little young Ti back then. Yeah. And I think this sound now is just he more him. You know, he he was he was a fan of Ti that that trap uh, music Ti. You know, what I mean, he was he he was spitting though. Don't get me wrong. He was you know he was still on the same stuff. He wasn't really talking about the little pimping stuff and all that. But he was more talking about, you know, just pushing packs and doing his thing. But his his flow it was strictly Atlanta. It was T.I. to the heart. Sure. And, uh, yeah, he ended up leaving off and, you know, going to Miami, you know, start doing this little pimp thing and hanging with OG Mako and them. And, and man, he came back with that slow flow. His pops didn't like it, but I liked it. I was like, man, this decent man, he kind of sound like y'all on the first album and all that. I was like, I like it, you know, and... And it worked for him. He got a shot. Yeah, it's dope to keep that evolution going. Yeah. Um yeah. The, the Herm intros that he does on his album, too. Exactly. Smith, you know, reminds yeah, me all, of course, of course. And, uh, I mean, it's no question that, that you and RBL, like, influenced the Bay Area, influenced San Francisco, influenced hip-hop, period. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of feel like I'm, 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 I'm in between the OGs and the youngsters in mm -hmm. terms of my age group. But one thing that, like, I feel like some of the youngsters don't have in common is like really repping the city tough. Right. Like we love everything Man, about Frisco. Love like, Frisco. I, I wear that's the only damn near the only hat <laughs> I wear. Got to have something to do with Frisco. <laughs> Me you know too. What I'm saying? Uh, Me uh, too. Whether it's the sports teams or like movies or mm -hmm. like certain people, like we represent Frisco. I feel like Man. Uh, nowadays a lot of the younger cats more so represent. Their their hood, not even their, their hood, crew. their click, their click, their block. Yeah. Like this is is not love for the whole city at it's, all. It's not the same at type all. of unity that we was talking about earlier, mm -hmm. where Kugna Real and talk. RBL and and JT was all mobbing together. And I feel like that's a that's kind of a loss because when the when y'all was doing it, mm -hmm. when Frisco was together as one, everybody saw that. Exactly. So they know, like, oh yeah, Frisco. That's eleven five. That's RBL. That's exactly. you know what I'm saying. And now it's just kind of like every man it's for clicky, himself. Clicking, man. Yeah, yeah. It's every man for himself. And you know, we was always Frisco first, yeah. then Hunters Point. Yeah. Then it comes to Harbor Road. Right. You know what I mean? But nah, it's it's different now. Like you say, it's the, everybody represent their little cliques, they crews, and you know, it's. It's just all over the place, and they sounding like other rappers, other, other rappers, regions. other regions, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's just different. It ain't that same. It ain't that same unique style. You knew Oakland rappers back then. You knew Frisco rappers. You and our style was different. Our production was yeah. different. Like I said, you know? that Black C. Selsky style is like unique. TC too. San Francisco TC. Yeah, TC yeah, has style too. JT yeah, on the JT, beats too exactly, as well. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's different, but there are there are a lot of dope cats out there. Um, it's just a lot. It's almost too many to keep track of in the oh, city. Oh, you talking about right the now. city? Oh, yeah. the city got some yeah. heat. No, yeah. we got heat. It's just like you said, it's too many because you start naming them. There's always one that get mad that you didn't mention them. So, yeah, yeah. 
I got you know, I, I'm, I don't even do it no more. Yeah, no, nah, I ain't gonna ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do not, because uh, uh, I done did it a couple times with a few interviews. Like, man, such and such, we gotta come to man because you didn't mention him. I'm like, oh, oh man. I, I forgot all about him. Hey man, bro. you gotta you gotta make your own lane, bro. Uh, that's, that's how I feel. I think the game has changed. If that's the way it is in the city now, then that's the way it is. Every, mm-hmm. Everybody got their own thing going on. You could be the biggest dude ever, and there's still gonna be plenty of people that never even heard of you or don't rock oh, with course. your music. Yeah. yeah, it's too much now. There's too many options now. So yeah. I'm blessed to come from the era I did where I got my fans that grew with me and. They locked and loaded in. You know, I could still move merchandise and go do shows. But so you also stay it. consistent, man. Mm-hmm. Like, like you've been doing this for like 30 years, bro. 30 man. years, and I've been blessed to lose two you members and, two still, members your group, and still get like, booked and still yeah. people buy the merchandise because it'd be hard. I see groups who they split up or they ain't together, and it's like they don't know what to do. You know what I mean? It's, it get hard. Yeah. And uh, I've been just keeping that torch lit ever since the day Mr. C passed. I've been just... Coming with the new things just to kind of just kind of reinvent us and just yeah. keep us relevant. You As know? you're accessible, you exactly. jumped on you jumped on my fog mode remix yeah, with Nicotina. Yeah, yeah, definitely stay accessible. Not man. hard Got to, to find at all. Uh, at I feel all. like the Latin community loves RBL posse. Loves us to death. That's why we surviving right now to this <laughs> Low day. Lowrider shows <laughs> all over. And all we over got the one Southwest. this Sunday. <laughs> like we'll be in Merced this Sunday, man, for the Lowrider. The girls are Lowrider. <laughs> That's man, for big, sure. man. Yeah, man. And, and, and uh, you've dropped a few solos. You just recently dropped the Black Caesar, which I thought yeah. I thought that was honestly, that might be your best solo. Oh, album, yeah, in best. My opinion, bro. To, to me, too. It's my best work. Behind that is the last album, Ruthless by Law. Um, still ruthless, but this is what's my best work lyrically, production wise, everything, man. And uh, it just made me step my game up. I'm four or five songs into my new one I'm working good, on now. Good, so good. I was gonna I've ask, man. I want to see you keep going. Oh bro. yeah, yeah. We working right now, man. So yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm gonna put out nice another one more little body of work, and then I'm going to EPs. I'm doing a lot of EPs with producers. I got working Dope. on one with DJ Fresh. Dope. Right now, I'm working on one with Herminator. Dope. I'm finna get with uh, Foley and them, get some uh, that's some of Larry June producers. Mm-hmm. I'm finna hopefully get my boy KD. KD slaps. We finna put something together. Dope. I got a bunch of work from him. So uh, DJ Idea. Mm-hmm. So it's a few that you know I'm 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 trying to get with and um, man who contributed to this album, who I'm finna spin off and do. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, EPs, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit them with six songs. You can pump, you can pump music out nowadays, man. Yeah, nonstop. Nah, and nah, I want to see you keep going because I think when younger cats put limits on OGs, you don't understand. You're putting a limit on yourself. Real talk. If I put a limit on you and say, "Oh man, you too old to to keep matching," that means by the time right, I'm yeah. your age, that I gotta lay it me. down too. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Don't bother me. I, I I feel like I'll rap it till I die, personally. Man, you know I mean? and especially when you can out rap some of these young know, like, yeah. man, what are you talking about? The age ain't got nothing to do with it. Let's get yeah. on this and let's go bar yeah, for bar yeah, on yeah, one of these yeah. beats and yeah, let's see who let's, yeah. yeah. Let's, yeah. Matter of fact, once you get a beat and I get it the same beat, let's see who make the best song. You yeah, know what I mean? Facts. Let's see facts. who can make the best body of work. You know what I mean? Put out a nice album. That's all that matter, man. All this, y'all, they too old. They this, man. This music for everybody, bro. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And the generations are growing, and, and people are growing with the music. And I got, mm-hmm. man, I got a lot of youngsters tapping in mm-hmm. with the history stuff, with my music. Exactly. I, I know it's going to be a lot of younger cats watching this, soaking it up. So, mm-hmm. man, I feel like the sky's the limit, bro. And I'm glad that uh, RBL Posse is still in effect. 
Glad that Black Sea is out here still Man, smashing, bro. Ain't stopping. Ain't stopping. Nah, I appreciate you coming through to the podcast, Appreciate bro. it, man. Appreciate you having me, bro. That's it, man. Dregs one. I got my album, Sucker Repellent, September 20th. Release party October 7th for Public Works. Black Sea's going to be at the, what is it, the Ladies of Lowriders? Yeah, this, this, this Sunday. Yep, this Sunday we'll be at the uh, Ladies of Lowriding. It's going to be all them ladies who got them lowriders out there, so... It'll be nice with me and Sally Sale. That's what's up, man. This is the History of the Bay podcast. Thank you to the team, D.O., Skino, King Said, Whitney Chanel. And uh, next episode, I'll be back with CMG from Conscious Daughters. So we're going to keep this thing going, man. Peace.